dedicated to each and every one of you who appreciate a great glass of wine. You know what I mean? It's Monday. Let's raise a glass to the beginning of another week. It's time to unscrew, uncork, or savor a bottle. And let's begin exploring the wine glass. Today I'm sharing a webinar I attended on the Carnantum Wine Growing Region. The wines from the area between Vienna and Slovakia. Named after the Roman military group, Conantum gained its DAC status in 2019. Join me as I learn about this new-to-me wine region. If you listen to a lot of podcasts, you know that many ask for Patreon. We do not plan on doing this, but we do ask for your support by leaving us a review. It takes only a few seconds of your time, but means so much to the show. The next best way to support Exploring the Wine Glass is to tell your friends. If you enjoy the podcast, your wine-loving friends will too. Finally, don't forget to head to the website, explorethewineglass.com, to read the blog, sign up for the newsletter, and that way you can keep up on all the happenings. Slancha! Oh, no, 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 never let you go, oh, oh, no, no, no. to share two five-star reviews. Thank you, Janice Denner. Love the Legrine episode. Very interesting and informative. And thank you to SUSB. Lori is a very engaging host, bringing topics that are interesting to the podcast every week. I enjoy listening. A good podcast to listen to for any wine enthusiast. Thank you both for taking the time to leave the review. I appreciate you listening to the podcast. Hey everybody, I'm Lori Budd, a UC Davis winemaking program, Spanish wine scholar, Somme service, champagne and Cotteron specialist, and a WSET level 2 graduate. You can find Exploring the Wine Glass on all the socials, as well as your favorite podcast catchers. If you haven't subscribed yet, now's the perfect time to swipe, subscribe, rate, and review. Stay in the know about all things wine by visiting my website, exploringthewineglass.com. I promise I'll never tell you what to drink, but I'll always share what's in my glass. So special, even in the Bible, water got turned right into wine. We cannot talk about uh, Kanuntum without mentioning uh, the history of Kanuntum. Uh, everybody that goes there probably knows uh, the, 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 the site on the left uh, of, the, of the screen. So uh, in Petronel Canuntum, the Römerstadt Canuntum, met the Heidentor, uh, these are very, very famous uh, sites. And maybe Gerhard, uh, Robert Bayer can, uh, can explain a little bit, uh, very shortly, about, about this history. So hello, yeah, but Canuntum, where comes the, the name Canuntum of this area? The Romans come here to build the Limes, uh, eight after Christi. And then the highest time of the city was uh, 340 after Christi. Then the same time that was only London and Paris was also peaked in Canuntum. There was uh, 70,000 people there, 30,000 or 40,000 soldiers and 25,000 private people lived there. So there was a big, big city and the people need a lot of uh, food. And so the Romans 
cultivated the area here and also they planted a lot of uh, vines. So the soldier gets per day in the salt one liter wine. This was very important for the soldier, but this time the water was not always clear. And so they have in the salt, the soldier one liter wine per day to have always a good, good drinks for, for the life and not they have problems if the storm makes. And so now in this year, we have uh, 30 years of the region Canuntum. It was a long way that we have uh, regulated as Canuntum for this area. So we have a lot of different names before. We have uh, Reisendal, Kloster Neuburg, Daniel Bland, and another uh, names for this area. So in this year, we have the jubileum of 30 years of Canuto. Thank you. Address some of the terroir uh, factors in um, in Canuntum. So let's talk a little bit about the, the, the local climate first. Uh, there are four major climatic influences. Uh, the, the, the first one uh, comes from the east. It's, it's called the continental Pannonian uh, influences the, from the Pannonian uh, plains. Uh, um, this is basically uh, a warm uh, climate, especially during summer. The, from the from the west, is the, there is still some Atlantic uh, influence. The Atlantic might be far away, but of course there are uh, all kinds of gaps and river valleys, and uh, these these influences can reach quite far into uh, into Europe. And uh, this is of course a, a temperate uh, climate, which. Uh, which lowers the, 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 the daytime temperatures, uh, but also uh, uh, keeps the, night, the nights from being too cold. Um, there's some cold air coming from the north. Uh, some of you can, uh, can much better explain that than I, uh, than I do. Uh, we can discuss it later, I guess. Uh, but there are some, some big forest areas, the Burmawald and, and some others. Uh, uh, some parts of the Carpathians, I guess, already, which which uh, uh, contribute to this cold airflow. And then from the south, of course, you have the Adriatic Sea and, and a Mediterranean influence, which makes it a very, very uh, yeah, unique situation in Kanuntum. And we'll have a closer look uh, with the, the next couple of slides. So these are two basic slides uh, comparing uh, Göttelsbund to Bordeaux and Flo Florence. It's, it's, uh, it's a reflection of the ambition of Kanuntum uh, also, and uh, <laughs> which is always good. Uh, but it 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 generally uh, generally shows that that uh, that Gottesborn is 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 very continental. You see the temperatures uh, uh, being quite quite low up until uh, April, and then rapid, rapidly rising. Uh, the average temperature in uh, centigrade, and then uh, in autumn uh, the the temperatures can drop quite uh, rapidly also. So this is typical for uh, for a continental situation. The green line of Bordeaux is much more uh, temperate, of course, with uh, higher uh, winter temperatures and and not too high uh, summer temperatures. Although this is changing too, of course, in uh, in 22, it was a totally different situation in Bordeaux. And then you have Florence with the typical uh, Mediterranean situation with mild winters and warm to hot summers. And uh, especially if, if we look at the at the next, uh, oh no, I have a. I have a question. When when we when we are still talking about the the, the temperatures, it's it it might be a good moment to ask uh, Caro about the 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 consequences, of course, of the climate for for the the 
the harvest time, the, the traditional harvest time of Zweigelt and Blaufränkisch, and the changes due to climate change. Um, so generally <laughs> speaking, I will talk a little bit um, about the harvest time in Kanuntum. So we do harvest Zweigelt and Blaufränkisch starting from September to October. Those are the two most important red grape varieties in our region. Um, if we talk about the difference with these two grape varieties, Blaufränkisch typically has a bit of a longer ripening period compared to Zweigelt. Um, so Blaufränkisch takes more maturity to reach its full maturity. It needs more time on the vines. And then Zweigelt, on the other hand, tends to have a shorter ripening period. Um, but of course, with um, climate change, it also affected us a lot um, in the vineyards. So the harvest time, um, when it used to be, my parents told me and my grandparents that there were times that they harvested in late October or even early November. Now there are times that we start harvesting that Zweigelt end of August, for example, in 2018. We started picking that Zweigelt at 28th of August. So. It does affect yeah. us. Um, we have to monitor these changes and adapt to it. Um, you know, working organic, spending a lot of time in the vineyards, taking a lot of samples um, is the only way to go. So um, harvest time also depends on what kind of style you want to produce. How is your customer's demand? What kind of styles you want to do? Every year is different. Every vineyard is different. Every site is different. Um, but it affects us, of course. It's very visible in winemaking and the style of wines also will change and i think we have to adapt to that as well yeah yeah we'll get to the grape varieties a little bit later yeah. on because you wanted to mention also something about that uh, let's go to the the slide on uh, on uh, on the precipitation just a short question Sorry. from David, uh regarding which years do they record these temperature graphs Oh, I don't know. I, I took them over from from the the basic. Uh, usually, it's 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 a it's a it's a long period. It's thirty years uh, if they come from official weather stations. So, uh, I guess that is uh, that would be the case in this kind. But I'm I'm not sure. We can go uh, to um, uh, to 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 the next slide, and then the the slide that I made about uh, the comparison with uh, Neusiedlerse and Eisenberg which is probably uh, more detailed than this. But uh, still, uh, okay, since 1990, yeah, 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 probably 1990, 2020, which would be the, the, the last uh, uh, period uh, in, in climate, uh, climatology. Um, so uh, if we look at the, at the rainfall in, in millimeters, this is, this is a different uh, chart than the, the Bordeaux and, and, and Tuscany situation. Uh, um, so Michael Auer, I wanted to ask you, this, this, there seems to be a peak in, in precipitation in, in June, which is, of course, a, a, an important month in the, in the vineyard. Uh, does this give uh, certain challenges? challenges? Um, not really. So in all in all, you can say um, we got after uh, when you see the last 50, 60 years, uh, you see that the, the rain, the, the, uh, the litters, um, uh, in a year uh, is a little bit becoming up. So we have we had 50 years ago about 650, and now we have 700. Um, what a little bit is the, uh, the, the a little problem is that um, that the, the dates where when the rain comes um, is um, not um, on a on a whole range. It is uh, more uh, on one date. Uh, you have uh, many rain on one day, and that is always a, uh, a little bit the problem. So you cannot say that you have. Uh, all rain which is coming um, uh, in the soil now because many is um, running away. Uh, yeah. That is maybe 
uh, a little bit, which is different now to um, to to 30 years ago. So you have this um, um, more this um, this um, uh, extreme weathers, yeah. And yeah. Um, this is a little bit becoming. Um, all in all, Canuntum um, is, um, I would say, uh, one of the most preferred um, um, uh, 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 regions in Austria because uh, we are um, mostly in the in the in the southeast of Austria, so it's very warm, but we have the rain also. Yeah, so we have uh, yeah. we have heat and we have the rain, but the water, and um, and so. We uh, we have more um, we have uh, more good vintages um, the last ten years like the ten years before yeah so um, okay. we especially at the red ones uh, we we are becoming riper and riper um, we keeps also the acidity um, the soils uh, which is mostly less uh, keeps the water a long long time which is a different to many other uh, regions in Austria uh, where we have more stones so you have um, some new rain and uh, the, the the water goes through the stones in uh, when you have more the stones in our region with more or less um, uh, the less keeps um, the water uh, for a long time especially in summer when you have um, uh, when it's a little bit wetter uh, weather in um, in the uh, in January February and in uh, June and July August maybe you have not so much rain um, uh, mm -hmm. the less keeps it for this yeah okay okay thank you but let's go to this uh, next slide that, that I prefer. Th these are never uh, very, very, um, these are no uh, vineyard data, of course. These, these don't come from, from stations in vineyards, but from official st uh, stations of the Austrian weather service. And they kind of uh, uh, represent uh, the three, three regions. Kanuntum, of course, I looked at, and then Neusiedlersee, that's Podersdorf, uh, the data, and Eisenberg. Um, why did I choose those those three? These these are uh, regions that are either famous for Zweigelt or Belfrankish, which both are the, the main varieties, uh, quality varieties in in Kanuntum with a, with a couple of others, of course. And maybe um, if, if you have a look at them, when we go through them very very quickly, the TX GS TX is the maximum uh, the average maximum daily temperature, and GS is growing season. So. I only look at the months uh, um, April to September, six six months, uh, the most important months uh, of, the, of the growing season. Maybe there's something in October also. But um, and then you see that Canutum has a has a very yeah uh, solid uh, climate. I think uh, it's a little bit in the in between uh, Neusiedlersee and and Eisenberg. Eisenberg is definitely cooler at night, but also hotter during the day. And and Neusiedlersee is a little bit more temperate. Uh, because of the the big lake, of course, uh, and the the the, more, uh, the temperate influence of of the, of the water there. Um, when you look at the precipitation, it's 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 yeah, it doesn't vary a lot. Eisenberg has a little bit more. Canuntum uh, has got a good good amount uh, during the the growing season, which probably is good uh, to avoid uh, uh, big stress uh, situations. Um, and then the sunshine hours, they they yeah they go up when you go south, uh, which is uh, often the case. Uh, uh, but there are there is more to 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 the climate the, to the local climate than than only these parameters, isn't there, Dorley? We we discussed it uh, yesterday, so yes. I would like to ask you: uh, Are there any any other things that you have to uh, keep in mind when you look at these things? 
Yes, uh, um, I, uh, first of all, uh, thank you very much for picking those data. It was uh, a revelation also to me because we have never done that before. And I asked Katharina to uh, to work on that and to also include like uh, Mittelburgenland and Leiterberg for the for our internal uh, information because it's really it's really uh, very very interesting. But I think one of the uh, uh, elements of terroir in Canuntum is uh, something that usually is not uh, reflected in uh, in data, which is the wind. So we have this uh, enormous wind. We have 300 days of wind a year. And uh, usually the wind comes from east-southeast. And uh, this is why when we have uh, rains, uh, it's Adriatic rains from it Italy, like coming from Italy. And we very little uh, uh, rains come from the west, the Adriatic, uh, the Atlantic, which is usually the case. And so what that means is that uh, we have little rainfall, we have high temperatures, but also the little rainfall and the little humidity that we get is uh, dried down immediately by the wind. And we don't have any influence of uh, noisy, let's say. And this is something that is not reflected in a picture like that, that in the region of noisy, let's say, you always have humidity in the air from yeah. lake. And I think, and this is my very personal learning from the last 20 years that um, powerful wines or let's say more sugar and more alcohol don't have only to do with sunshine but they have a lot to do with availability of humidity because if you think mm -hmm. about the formula of photosynthesis which is when the plant produces sugar this formula starts with H2O, so with water. So I think the most powerful wines, or the contrary, the more elegant wines with less alcohol has always to do with water as well. So it is a combination mm -hmm. of sunshine, warmth, and water. Less water, less alcohol. And this is probably together with the data of sunshine and cold nights, because this is really one of the things that uh, also close to the lake, you have uh, more moderated temperatures between day and night. And here we have really big differences. In, I remember yeah. when I was a child, my mother wouldn't go, let me swim, let me go swimming only if we have at least 30 degrees. And that was during the two months of holidays, not very often. And now no, no, no. we rarely are, we rarely are below 30 degrees. We go more to 40 degrees. So there is a big change in the last mm -hmm. 50 years. But um, that together with quite cold nights, and very dry weather makes a very specific um, appellation, climate appellation in Canuntum. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. All right. Um, enough on, on, on climate. We have to move towards the wines, otherwise they, uh, they get lost. Uh, we're 30 minutes in, so we're quite, quite nicely on schedule, I guess. We have to look at uh, topography and geology, uh, as I mentioned. Uh, well, um, Christoph uh, already explained uh, something uh, uh, about this. Um, um, here you have a, a, a map where you see uh, Canuntum uh, somewhere in that uh, orange uh, uh, square uh, rectangle. 
Um, and it's uh, like Christoph said, it's 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 right between the 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 the, the beginning of the Carpathians and then the end of the the Alps or the northeastern part of the Alps. So it's it's basically uh, calcare uh, limestone against uh, some 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 older Urgestein. But uh, as as uh, as you saw in in Spitzberg, the, 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 there is a lot of limestone uh, on top, and this basin is is filled. Eh? It's part of the Vienna Basin, and this is filled up with uh, with all kinds of sea and river sediments. The sea you have to go back uh, quite a uh, quite some time to the Paratetis. It was a, a last branch I saw of of this huge uh, sea that we had in in the heart of Europe. Um, uh, which has been very, very important for viticulture in Europe, one has to say. Uh, this is where a lot of the limestone comes from, and uh, we can be proud of that uh, in, in Europe in general. And I know a lot of regions outside of Europe are very, very envious uh, of that limestone. Uh, but this is a very particular situation, of course, in the, in the, in the geological history of the, of the Earth. Um, well, the, the soils, gravels, sands, marls, and Viennese Tegel, I, I saw. So can someone explain Viennese Tegel? The, the question actually was for, for, for your father, Maximilian, for Gerhard. But can you explain something uh, about these, these soils? What, 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 are, what are the qualities for good red wine? Uh, Tegel refers to a very loamy, clay-containing deep soil. And I think this has the property of being able to store heat and water well. And steel can be very found very often here in Göttlesbrunn. And this is always positive for strong red wines. And But in general, which soil is good or bad cannot be said in general. Um, because every soil brings its own properties. Yeah. Is there a difference between within vineyards between the, the higher uh, uh, grounds and the lower uh, slopes. Yes, but basically we can say that heavy dark soil often is on the on the foothills, and the upper yeah. part often have sand or, or stone. And they, they are better for red wine, the, 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 the stony side? They always bring complex and, and deep wines. Yeah, so this is uh, basically, uh, thank you, Maximilian. Uh, Christoph has also uh, mentioned this uh, a little bit, and we'll go through the wines also. So we'll, 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 we'll get to uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of soil types in the, in, the, in the different vineyards also. So I think we can move on and we'll go to the, to the grape varieties, some, some simple uh, statistics, uh, I guess. I think uh, answered your question already otherwise you can say it out now so what she asked if in your experience would Kanuntum also share a climatic characteristic with Malika Partney so the small Carpathians close on the Slovak side um, they mostly produce very crisp white wines which seem fairly different in style from Kanuntum and Dolly answered, yes, definitely. We share much more same condition with our neighbors in Slovakia or in some parts of Hungary than we do with Kamtal or Styria, for example. So I think maybe Lars, you agree on Does that? Does that satisfy Wojciech? Yeah, this map, because I haven't, I haven't looked at the map in this way. And I think you're showing very well how the proximity of the Leitakebige, but also of the Slovakian uh, Carpathians. But the style of one that they make in Slovakia is very, very different from Canon to me. Yes, they, they would never dream of making a ripe uh, red wine like you like you succeed in making. 
Yeah, maybe I can answer to that also. First of all, the orange are, uh, field does not include the Hamburger Berge, so I have to. Uh, <laughs> oh, this is this is what you meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Meant. Yes, exactly. Uh, and then, of course, I think that uh, the way that they do the white wines over there is uh, mostly because the market is there. Um, and I, I'm, I, I think it is, it will change as well because we had a lot of white wine in Canuntum, uh, and the percentage goes down. And I think this will happen also on the other side of the border. Uh, in once they get confidence in the style of red wines they are making, and I mean the climate change uh, decides it. It's not so much. Um, uh, what we decide in our heads, it's really the climate that decides what's what's the future. And we are um, um, we are really uh, on the on the good side at the moment. We have a good uh, window in the uh, in the evolution at the moment, and so do our neighbors. So I think there is there will be a strong evolution also on the uh, Slovakian side. That's what I see. Thank you, Dolly. Thank you, Wojciech. Um, let's move on to the to the grape variety. So uh, we uh, on 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 the the white variety is still uh, forty five percent, but as Dolly mentioned, uh, going down a little bit. Uh, uh, the the reds are what we're uh, here for today. So we'll talk about the whites very shortly. It's still 21.2% of Grunefeldlin, and then Chardonnay, Pinot Blanc, the Weisse, Weisse, the Weisse Burgunder Sorten uh, still uh, have, have uh, 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 quite, quite a good, good share. They can be really good in my uh, experience. Um, but let's look at the, at the, the red varieties. Zweigold, of course, the most important uh, widely planted uh, uh, variety. 26.4% and Blaufrankisch on the up uh, before probably mostly concentrated in the in, in Spitzerberg, but uh, going up uh, Merlot, there's still some uh, quite a lot of Merlot also. It's going down a little bit, but still plays uh, a rather uh, yeah, welcome role in, in blends, uh, as does Cabernet Sauvignon. We'll experience that later. And there's also St. Laurent, of course, Pinot Noir. So uh, these, uh, these uh, are the grape varieties. Let's move on and we'll go to the um, to the classification or the the, the, the legal side of, uh, of, of things. Uh, so we we here have the classical uh, pyramid uh, based on, on European law, but also Austrian law, of course, uh, with the, the DHC, the Districtus Controllatus Austriae, uh, and um, uh, integrated the, the the, yeah, the classification of the Österreichische Traditionsweingüter. Um, well, there's uh, there's only one uh, uh, lady I can ask uh, about that, of course. That is that is Dolly because she's highly involved. Also, um, let's just go through it uh, basically, and then I'll give the the parole to to Dolly. The Gebietswein eh, is the regional wine from from Kanuntum. Then you have the Ortswein. Uh, these are six villages, if I'm correct. Um, and then you have the Rieden wine. These are clearly uh, demarcated single vineyards uh, of very, very good uh, quality. And within these, uh, this, this, this top of the pyramid, the Rieden wine, 
de, de Österreichse Traditionsweingüter en de, de, de members uh, of, the, of, the, of the club have, uh, have selected at the moment, uh, what is it, nine uh, single vineyards, uh, Rieden in Kanuntum. So Aubühl will taste that, Bernreiser will taste that also. Heidecker, Kirschweingarten, Rosenberg, Schüttenberg, Spitzerberg, Steinecker, and Stuhlwerker. So, Dolly, uh, how many producers are in the ÖTW Kanuntum at the moment? Uh, well, we have gone uh, uh, at the in the region of Kanuntum. We have gone a very different way. Um, we are we have. Uh, the whole region has become a member of Traditionsweingüter, so all mm -hmm. our producers are theoretically already members, but okay. active members are those that really like uh, present as the Lager wines and so on. So everybody can can jump in and because everything is, is prepared, but actively at the moment there is 20 producers. Mm -hmm. uh, it's um, it's a it was a fantastic move. We are the first region that is doing red wines uh, in Erste Lage, and it was um, a double move for us because Kanuntum was one of the very late regions to decide on DAC because it was a fight. We had so many different varietals, and we could we wouldn't like let uh, we wouldn't like to give up any of those. To be called Kanuntum and so on. And it was very difficult. I mean, for more than 10 years or 15 years, we had so many discussions. And that's one of the good things that Robert, our president, has invented a, a monthly sure fix. And we come together every month and we restart discussing the same because it, everything takes long in wine. And um, only when we decided that we would go for um, classification of vineyards, then suddenly it was very clear also for us what would be the DAC of Canonton. Because if you think about the top wines from top vineyards, you clearly see which is the real style that makes the region outstanding or famous. And from there, it was very clear, like from top to down, to say, okay, what is the DAC? You know, usually it's yeah. the other way around. You decide, okay, a DSC, you decide something that is helpful for everybody, maybe in a more commercial way. But in our case, it was really dropped down from, from Erste Lagen. And so we presented in 2019 as a full project, a full round concept of DAC, Ortslagen, and also Erste Lagen, and, and, uh, and we decided that we would not go for white wines, at least not in the first uh, run. So we only have red wine, Erste Lagen. Yeah. And, and Katrina, can you go to the next slide? Because this is, of course, interesting, because on, on, the, on, the, one, on the one hand, you have the, the, the Lagen classification and, and uh, probably a lot of attention going to certain reader and, and this whole idea of Crew versus blend has has led me to write an entire series of articles for Persuhein about that, which is a, a, a fascinating concept. You, I just wrote a piece in, in on, on vintage ports about that, but you can also. I did something with Michael Mosburger on uh, on the OTV, and it's just fascinating. And I I think it's very good what Canuntum does, for example, with Rubin with a Gebiet's wine. Uh, Robert, you you are the the, the president. How how this how how did 
this idea um, develop and, and how does it fit in with the with the OTV? Yes, I think um, this was the, the generation before. They, they started before 1992 to uh, have a group of wineries. They have the focus to bring Canuntum uh, to this uh, success story. And so they built a beginning in 1998 with a white wine, with the Primus Canuntum, a uh, nouveau wine of white. And then they think, okay, now it's time for a red wine from a Gebietswein. This is, it was also the beginning of a DSC Canuntum. So there are 20, uh, 35 winters. They have a concept, which varieties, which ripeness, they have a big controlling there. You must say which vineyard is the uh, from which vineyard comes the, the grapes. You have also say, okay, now harvesting is on the 20th of September, there comes a controller, they control the grapes, they control also the natural alcohol or the, the sugar. And so then uh, after nine months, there was a big tasting and say, okay, this is Rubino, it's not Rubin. And then you have a second tasting and there was the finished tasting. So it's a Rubino, it's not a Rubin. This was also yeah. the, the beginning of the big story of the Canuntum and uh, for the red stories here. So, and then why is it the way to the Utebe Dwali say that very good. And so, it's, so we always have to focus the group of the European Canuntum of the qualities. And we have always the focus of the different uh, um, uh, single vineyards. And so it was the fight 15 years we have to fight for DSC. So always mm -hmm. the discussion, which varieties and this and this and this. And then after 15 years, the whole of the group say, now we found it, we have it. This variety is very important. So it was very simple. We say, which yeah. varieties we are planted in the last 15 years. Yeah. And so it was very simple. So we have only planted in the last 15 years, Grunewetlina, Sauvignon, uh, White Burgundy and Chardonnay. And then the red one was only Zweigelt and Blaufränkisch. And this yeah. is the, the story of Canuntum. Yeah. And yeah. also the second generation. This is also a say is very important. We are the second generations of uh, in this group. And so it is not normally that uh, a group is more than 30 or 40 years in the same, uh, they think it's almost the same time. And now a word from our sponsor. Did you know that Dracina Wines has a wine club? We named it the Chalk Club. Draco is on our label, but Vegas was getting a bit jealous, so we decided he deserved to be our wine club's books dog. In Las Vegas, betting chalk means that you are betting on all of the favorites, and we're gambling that once you taste our wines, we will become one of your favorite wineries. The club is simple, yet a bit different than most. We don't ask for a lot of commitment like others do. Choose between three tiers, the Sweet 16, where you will receive three bottles twice a year and get 15% off all orders. Sign up for the Elite 8 and get 20% off all orders and receive four bottles twice a year, or make it to the final four and receive six bottles twice a year, as well as receiving 25% off purchases. All tiers receive discounted shipping, are customizable, and are eligible for unlimited referral bonuses. Add $15 to the bank for each person you refer. Head to www.dracinowines.com to use the link in the show notes to find out all the Chalk Club has to offer and to sign up. We've stopped the odds so that you can get our award-winning wines without breaking the bank. Does Maximilian think the same way? 
Is it Zweigelt and Blau Frankish for the future? Yes, for sure. Especially it's yeah. our region. Yeah. Especially Gatlisbron. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's a big Blau Frankish, but in Gatlisbron, I think Zweigelt is the future. Yeah. Oh, but back to you. Let, let's let's start these uh, the, the the tasting. And I have put, of course, the four Rubin wine next to each other. I don't know if uh, if you can all do that. Uh, you can uh, taste them uh, one by one, of course. Uh, I've tasted them. Uh, I opened them yesterday, uh, and um, I have to say, there's a very very clear line in these wines. I think it's a very uh, powerful uh, and good category for uh, for Canuntum. Uh, but I, I will just let you talk about uh, your wine for 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 two minutes each. Uh, then then uh, then we'll get get a good idea. So. Uh, Robert, you're first. Also, the first one is uh, Rubin Canuntum 2021. It's the youngest of this group. Yeah, so it's just very good. You opened it yesterday. It's very, it need a lot of uh, air, uh, O2. So it's a little bit, uh, the taste is so wild cherry. The acid is very fine and elegant. This is uh, very young. So it's 2001. And um, you can read about all the standardale barrels, uh, oak barrels. The alcohol is 13.5. This is an uh, uh, organic wine. We are starting 2017 in the vineyards for working organics. And uh, about the harvest 2020, 2020 is the wine is always uh, biology and uh, organics. Yeah, 2021 was quite a... a um... A difficult vintage in, in in large parts of Europe. How how was it in Canuntum? Oh, this this was a it was very it was very um, hot and but it was a, the raining was it was not so dry and I think it was one of the best years in the last uh, 12, 13 years ago. So yeah. Also yeah. That's, that's one of the big challenges to tell the world that we had a great year when whole Europe. Was <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I heard so. Um, Maximilian, your Rubin. Yeah, Rubin 2020 is our area brand consisting of 100% Zweigelt. Uh, at our winery, the grapes come from the foothills of our single vineyards, partly from Göttlesbrunn and partly also from Hifrein. Mm -hmm. It's aged partly in steel tanks and Partly, most about 40% in used brick. Okay. And I think a wine that reflects the area well and is always a perfect food companion. What is the uh, what is the extraction time and fermentation temperature on, on a wine like this? Uh, Between 28 and 30. For the for the, the fermentation temperature. Yes. And how many days of maceration? Uh... Between two and three weeks. It depends on the vintage, but at 2020, mm -hmm. it was a two and a half week, I think. Yeah, really nice. Um, Christoph, with your Rubin 2020. Okay, <laughs> thank you, Lars. Uh, yeah, Rubin Canuntum, you see 2020, um, yeah, again, 100% Zweigelt uh, in our case, uh, as for all Rubins. Um, yeah, it's a regional blend of different vineyards all over the land. Um, the ages of the wines spread from 10 to 25 years. Um, yeah, so the Rubin always uh, spends uh, around 18 to 20 days on the skins. Um, okay. 
we ferment in stainless steel tanks and the malolactic fermentation and uh, the maturation uh, is done in predominantly used French oak for almost a year. So we try to bottle the, the, the wine uh, before the consecutive uh, harvest of the next year. And uh, yeah, so for me, as for, for the colleagues, Rubin always reflects a very nice companion for food and uh, wine pairing. And yeah, a nice, easy drinking, but yet elegant uh, style of wine. Yeah. And, 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 and why do you and Robert uh, choose cork and, uh, and the other two are screw cap? Uh, is there a... Um, it's a little bit of a discussion within our family. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, we had the tasting yesterday of, of, of uh, almost 15 different uh, Rubins, and we are one of the few uh, wineries that still use uh, natural cork. Um, yeah, we, we really try to look for a good quality of, of, of uh, cork, which nowadays is uh, not a very easy task. Um, so probably we are thinking about changing to an alternative method uh, for the next uh, consecutive vintages. But still, we are uh, here very traditional, which is, yeah, a big part of the family tradition. <laughs> yeah. And Michael, you're, you're very satisfied with the screw cap. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it's the same like uh, Christoph said before. The, the, the good quality cork is always um, more expensive and harder to get. Um, for me, as a young winemaker, uh, it, it was um, um, every wine cart, every new restaurant was a pleasure to be there, and um, and it was important to um, um, to have not this uh, failed bottles with uh, with, with cork problems. Um, and so yeah. I decided um, to uh, to put this wine uh, in screw cap. Of course, in the single vineyard wines, we also use. Um, um, uh, natural cork, uh, but here yeah. is the, the 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 price for the wine and the price for the cork. Uh, we, we, you can work uh, in another way here. Michael, the, the grape varieties are they right in this uh, fish technique? No, sorry, no, no, no. no. Grouping <laughs> is also okay. There is a mistake. Sorry, um, it's my mistake. Sorry, one hundred percent spiking like the other European. Yeah. European sure. is always one hundred percent spiking. Um, yeah, to our uh, to the making of of the wine, um, we. Um, we uh, harvest per hand. Uh, after that, we um, go through the T-stemming machine directly in the in open mesh tank. Uh, we mostly mm -hmm. use about 1,500 to 2,000 liter um, uh, uh, open mesh tanks, and uh, we uh, put CO2 uh, still the fermentation starts. The, uh, it keeps about in 2020. It was a little bit cooler, so it keeps about three to four days. Uh, till the fermentation starts. Um, after that, we uh, punch it per hand about uh, during the main fermentation two times, uh, starting and ending uh, only one time. And uh, we stay on the mesh 2020 uh, about 15 days, uh, so not too longer. In, in warmer years, uh, we can uh, stay a little bit longer. Um, we do not crash the berries before the fermentation uh, because um, I think uh, this warmer becoming years, you have always a little bit changing of the of the uh, tanning structure. Uh, and uh, for me, is a, a slower fermentation with slower um, uh, picking out the, the the softer tannings is uh, is the better way for me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you you do distem everything, eh? You don't use whole yeah. clusters. We, is there uh, anybody using whole clusters with with Zweigelt? Uh... Uh, we do for single vineyard ones, twenty percent. Okay, 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, for the storaging, we use here uh, about maybe five to ten percent uh, new barrels, and uh, the rest is uh, used of barrels. Mostly, um, about eighty percent are um, barracks, uh, and uh, about twenty percent are five hundred liters. And we yeah. stay there for uh, one and a half. Thank you. Let's move on to the Ortsweine, and um, maybe we'll talk a little bit. Yeah. Sure. There is an interesting question in the chat again. Uh, as Canuntum DAC becomes more popular on the market, what will happen to the Rubin Canuntum, which was a pre-DAC in concept initially? So maybe that's a question for one winter. Yeah, now it's uh, it, it's it's um, it's the same population like he had uh, before. So um, he is um, now also one of the most important wines uh, because um, of uh, of the name at once and also of the of the of the of the long time uh, which we have this wine and um, uh, Rupin Canuntum is always um, um, very good pr uh, uh, price and quality. Thank you, Michael. So let's let's move to the the Ortswein and 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 right away a question for Carol. Uh, she knew it was coming, but um, still talking about uh, the the role of uh, of other varieties than Zweigold and, and making blends. How, how important is that for you? Yeah, now I know why you gave me the question because I'm the first one with a blend. Before we had the Rubin Canuntum, <laughs> the bottom of the pyramid where it's only, all of them are Zweigold 100%. Yeah. And now with my village wine, we start with a blend. So historically speaking, um, we have a long tradition of blends. We had the field blends in Austria, especially for red wines where one wine died, you planted a new wine, you didn't know which variety it was, and everything was harvested at the same time. Everything went together in the cellar, and it was one wine. It was kind of an insurance because some grape varieties were later ripening than others, but now the grapes that we have in our winery and in Canuntum, we don't do field plants anymore. When we do plants, they usually come from sometimes the same vineyard or from the same town. Um, from mm -hmm. different plots, but they are not harvested at the same time. We wait for the um, perfect ripening time, and then we do harvest them at different times. For us, we also um, process them and keep them separated until we do the until we do the blending. So blending helps us, especially with climate change, to be a, a bit more flexible. Um, but it's yeah. important for me to note that we focus in Canuntum not on the grape variety, um, but on the origin. So yeah. um, with the DSC, we have this construct that we have at least two thirds Zweigold and Oblau Frankish, but the rest, mm -hmm. you know, we can we can play with it and we can be creative and we can adapt to the vintage and to the vineyard. Um, but we always want to show the characteristic of our region of our region and or on our special without wanting to talk about grape varieties but you mentioned something interesting on the bordeaux varieties which are yeah. um, maybe a little bit uh uh come on how uh, would you say uh uh yeah especially merlot is not in the in the best uh doesn't have the best uh image uh, probably image. Um, but um, but but you 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 look at that uh, in a very nuanced way i think I do, you know, some people don't know, but Merlot is actually the second most planted red grape variety in Gatlesborn. Um, mm -hmm. 
there was like a growing demand for customers and with the boom of Bordeaux wines in the late 80s, early 90s, also we in Canuntum and especially in Gertelsbrunn, we started planting Merlots and Cabernet Sauvignon, but Merlot, there is a lot of Merlot in Gertelsbrunn. Um, and uh, especially last year, 2022, it was extremely dry and varieties like Zweigelt um, or Grüner Veltliner um, are extremely sensitive to this dryness. And I think we never had such a difficult year where we had great ripeness, but at the same time, very dry. And uh, the international grape varieties, um, I think in the future, they will be easier to adapt to these climate changes. So it helps us, you know, to have them and to have the possibility to blend them with our wine. Okay. And I don't mind, you know, to... of course, it's a different profile of style, but if you add like a 10 or 15 percent to it, yeah. um, they say the blend is something. Well, let's let's go to your... Uh... Yeah. Let's go to your Ortswein uh, right away. Okay, so this is our monument. Um, it used to be called Monument. It comes from three different sites, but all from the same town of Gottlesbrunn. We have Zweigelt, Malo and St. Laurent. So three very important grape varieties. Um, we just started grafting Blaufränkisch in 2019, so four years ago. But in the future, maybe we will also add some Blaufränkisch to it, which represents the red grape varieties for the town. Three different sites, three different varieties, hand-picked. Um, yeah, and then natural fermentation in steel tanks. That's, yeah. And what for you is the, is the, the, uh, the essence, if there is an essence of Gottesbrunn, uh, which is always why you would, would make a Nordswein. Uh, this just quite difficult yeah, to explain maybe, but. No, the wine is still very young. We just bottled it uh, two months ago. 2021 mm -hmm. was a great vintage, like Dolly um, already said, we had nice acidity. Kettlespoon has this lonely, it depends on the size, but on the top you have a lot of gravel. Um, on the lower yeah. parts it's loamy, often play rich soils, which goes very well with the Zweigelt. Um, it's easy to drink in an early age, but since there is a lot of Zweigelt in it, but it also adds some complexity structure and has some freshness and finesse to it. Um, yeah. yeah, the Merlot was in new barrels, um, Zweigel and St. Laurent in used ones, because for this type yeah. of wine, we don't want it to be overpowered by the oak influence. Yeah, I think it's also very good that the wines are very dry. It's uh, It's got a, yeah. a dry tannin, not a sweetish uh, finish to it, not, not sticky. So yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it's very important also. Uh, but that might be the tradition in Austria to drink wine at the table also. Uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, let's go to the Arnaud wine, the Höflein Cuvée Barrique. Christoph. Yes, thanks Lars. Um, I agree with Caroline what she said before that blending in Canuntum has a very long tradition. And if you take a look at the subline of the name of the wine, which is still Cuvée Barrique, which sounds a little bit odd in nowadays, but this dates back to the late 80s where Hannes, my brother, uh, yeah, first introduced international grape varieties in the winery. So these were the times when the, the Bordeaux uh, grapes were really very interesting also for Canuntum. So we planted Cabernet Sauvignon in mid 80s. And after that, 97, I think it was the first uh, uh, vines of Merlot that have been planted uh, uh, in mm -hmm. our winery. And yeah, Syrah, uh, not to forget one of our uh, yeah, most wanted grape varieties in the, in the family. Yeah, and 
in, in the last couple of days uh, during the development of the DAC uh, introduction, we switched to the uh, origin uh, of the grapes and we've more focused on, on, on in this part on the, on the village wines. Uh, where we have Kweberik uh, uh, renamed to Höflein uh, Rot. Uh, we didn't really yeah. change the, 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 the idea of the wine, which has always been a uh, focus on the, uh, on the uh, indigenous grapes, like the Zweigel and Blaufränkisch, uh, Blaufränkisch uh, with a hint of Merlot. And for me, I think the combination is, is, is very interesting to still have the, um, the sour cherry fruit, nice fruit of Zweigel in combination with... Uh, a nice uh, acidity and probably a, a bit stronger tannins for Blaufränkisch and Merlot yeah. always adds a little bit more of this nice perfumed uh, type of, 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 of style and, and taste. Um, yeah, origin of course, the, uh, the, the vineyards of Höflein. Um, if, if you take a look at Höflein and, and Göttersbrunn, I mean uh, we are separated by a distance of mm, maximum five kilometers, so the terroir might not be very different, but uh, we are closer to the Danube. Uh, so yeah. the Danube just flows like three to four kilometers north of Höflein. So the cooling uh, influence that we were talking before during uh, the night uh, really uh, has a, a, a big influence by the Danube and also by the Eiland Forest, Marie Eiland Forest. Um, so probably it's a yeah, little bit cooler you... in Höflein. And yeah. Sorry? You're somewhat on the on the corner, eh? Where where the, the airflow comes in from the north. Uh. Yes, absolutely. So yeah. south-facing slopes, very warm during the days, but really nice, uh, a nice chill during during the nights. The vinification, yeah. um, similar to Rubinkanuntum, we want to keep the oak influence uh, in the bag, so we use only used uh, barrels predominantly, um, almost a, a year in uh, in the French uh, barriques. Um, yeah, and so we really want to have a, a nice wine that's, that goes well with uh, any food, like the table wine that you, you were talking before. Uh, we, we are, that's the, the main focus here on this uh, village wine. Yeah, I think it's a perfect step up from the Rubin Canuntum, and it's just a logical, uh, yeah, very well done. Thank you. Dolly, um, Samt und Seide. Blaufränkisch, a hundred percent. Go ahead, uh, just just tell us about the wine. Okay, so here the village uh, is called Frelenkirchen. So this is why it has the big letters on the bottles is the name of the village, and the subtitle is something cider, which means if you translate it, velvet and silk. And um, this is because of the texture of the wine. I hope that you can um, taste that as well. The reason is that um, I use for this wine old vineyards that are on the mid slope of the Spitzerberg and everything that is older than 10 years. The, the younger vines go into the regional wine, but it, from 10 to like 35 years of age. And so this makes about 12, 13 different vineyard plots that I keep separate in the first year. And then we blend it for the for the second year in casks. And I feel that the limestone soil of the Spitzerberg translates better and better with the age of vines. And the older the vines get, the more 
silky the texture is. I mean, the more it stands, but very fine, uh, like mm -hmm. silk. And the younger the vines are, the more the rounder the wine tastes, the texture, and I call it more baby face. So this is what I translate with velvet. And one of the things that I, 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 I think we should really be really focusing on is that we have those two different varietals in 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 Kanuntum. we have Zweigelt and we have Blaufränkisch and in the very beginning when I started winemaking here and I was involved in the whole process of Rubin and DAC and so on and we always saw that the wines from the western part like from Prelenkirchen have always been um considered like a less interesting quality less approaching less appealing and the reason is because it's Blaufränkisch, they take much longer until they get pleasant. They are really very like aggressive even when they are very young because you have a high acidity in, in Blaufränkisch. While Zweigel is so pleasant already in the first year or in the second year, and you cannot compare, you cannot compare it. So this is why like 10 years ago, so we decided that Rubin should be only Zweigelt because otherwise consumers get confused before there was the possibility to yeah. use Blaufränkisch for Rubin as well. And this is also why I have decided to release my wines later and later. So this 2020 that you probably have in your glasses now is not released yet. I just put it into the tasting because it's it should be like same vintage that we can compare it. I currently sell 18 and 19 and 20 will be released at the earliest in autumn and i think there there is a yeah. reason for it so we have really to consider that there is different schedules for zweigelt and blaufränkisch and i think zweigelt can be a world success it can be a fantastic zweigelt from Kanuntum can be you know a fantastic this rubin uh, is it's a fantastic category in that price level and it's a fantastic yeah. wine that everybody can drink and you can enjoy it and if you make it a little bit fresh and we also do a little bit carbonic um uh, fermentation with one cycle and that's so great it's such a beautiful drinkable wine and you can enjoy this if it's young as well so i think we have big big future with that style of wine from Kanuntum. But we cannot put Blaufränkisch uh, at the same time to the market or we cannot put it next to it because this is a wine that does not appeal to to people if they are not really like experts or so because it's too aggressive and so it really yeah. needs time. So we have to keep Blaufränkisch in the cellar and wait until it becomes pleasant to the consumer. Thank you, Dolly. I, I have a Wojciech raised his hands. Uh, yeah, I thought it was why? maybe to ask the question on um, on video. So I'm sure it gets asked uh, Dolly quite often, but I get the style of your wine is quite different from what we tasted uh, just before. Um, higher acid, lower alcohol, and also a, a different flavor profile. I get, you know, some white pepper that makes me almost think of Syrah. So is it just a grape variety? Um, is it an earlier harvest that you practice compared to other producers? And if so, uh, by by how many days? And uh, maybe some some stems that you add to your Blaufränkisch? Yeah, probably, yeah. Yes. Yeah, of course, you can imagine that I'm quite influenced in the winemaking by a certain guy from Portugal. And that guy is quite influenced from Burgundy as well. So there is a 
a chain of influences <laughs> that uh, probably ends uh, on Spitzerberg. So yes, we try to pick as soon as the grapes uh, are, as the tannins are mature, we don't measure the, uh, we don't measure the sugar. It is really about tannins. And this is, um, this is really the moment uh, that we have to be, take care. Um, because if in a very, in a very, very dry year, for example, the tannins take longer and uh, we have to wait, even if we think that oh, there is enough sugar we want to pick, but the tannins take longer if they don't get this uh, little humidity to, to, to mature. So it's really about the tannins when we pick. And then, um, uh, of course, we do always some um, uh, foot treading with whole bunches. I would say it's between 20 and 30% in every wine. Uh, and increasing, especially in hot and dry years, I think that part of the vinification is essential to keep freshness and, um, and silkiness and elegance there. In a cooler year, it's maybe less important, but in the mm -hmm. warmer, dry years that are becoming the majority, I think this is really essential. And it's it's a personal uh, it's a personal um, style, a personal question of personal taste. I must say, I like elegant wines. I like lighter wines, and it's not what the press is rating very highly, of course. Uh, but it's what what I like, and uh, that's why we do it that way. Uh, we have to we have to correct you on that. Uh, sorry, sorry, not the Austrian price. I talk about the Austrian price. Sorry. No, no, no. But in in general, thank you, Wojciech. Uh, and and we have to move on with with the other wines, otherwise it's getting too too long. But uh, I think I I noticed uh, I put this word uh, infusion in, and I think in general this is this has been the development in good red wine regions from extraction to infusion, because it's the magical word you hear everywhere, and uh, and it shows in your wines, but also in a, in a couple of other wines, I think. Yeah. I would like to add just one sentence that I think it's what happens in every region, as you said, once a region starts de developing a red wine style, the first thing is what you do is you want to show that you can make mature red wines. So you go for maximum mm -hmm. sugar and uh, and then you you make like wannabe Bordeaux wines. That's what's happen happening everywhere in the world. And like some years or 10 years or 20 years later, you discover that you have your own talents, your own style, your own varietals. And I think this is what ha has happened in Canontom for the last 10 years, that there is a big change from wannabe cuvées, wannabe Bordeaux to more terroir wines. And it's a yeah. fantastic, it's a fantastic evolution. It's so great to see it. Thank you, Dolly. All right, we'll go on to the uh, Riedenwein and the, the Erste Lagerweine. Uh, first up is, uh, is Weingut Pimper, Maximilian, your Bernreiser. Yeah, our Breed Bernreiser consists also of 100% Zweigelt. Uh, the single vineyard is located in Hivren. Um, vineyard has a very poor gravelly soil with a lot of limestone. Very deep soil, uh, which gives the wine a lot of complexity. The harvested by hand at the beginning of October. Fermentation starts by natural yeast uh, and a controlled temperature. Um, 
At this wine, we have a meshing stand time of about three weeks. It also depends on the vintage between three and four weeks. Um, the wine is aged in 20% new and used small French oak barrels for 20 months. And I think uh, the wine shows what the Zweigelt variety can achieve on one of the hottest sites here in Canon. Yeah, yeah, you, you feel the, the a little bit of the, the power and the warmth in it. Uh, um, then we go to Steinecker. I'm I'm very, very uh, uh, grateful to you that, that it's all 2019. So it's uh, all the Riedenweiner are 19. So it's a very, very nice uh, uh, way to, to compare. Yes, uh, the Riedsteinecker Erste Lage, Primer Cru, is uh, gravel limestone. It's very dry there. This is the one of the northwest uh, part of the plant. It's, in, uh, it's very near to the Danube. It's uh, one of the coldest places for red vines in the plant. So, and uh, maturation is with roll punches, 10% and roll berries. And then the rest is uh, only pumping, no pressing, uh, no, uh, no crashed. The berries are not crashed. Yeah. And so we have a very long maturation, three or four weeks. And we get a very fine tannin from, from, the, from the stems and from the, uh, from the skin. So we have only here 10% uh, new oaks. We say we want to bring the tannin from the area. We say the tannin and the terroir is the same. So we need more and more from terroir tannin and not from the from the oaks. And uh, this one uh, is uh, also spontane, uh, natural yeast. And yes, I think it is to can taste before. Uh, we say Maximilian says one of the hottest area. This is one of the coldest area, so it's very different in the taste. If you can feel it in the in the, in the mouth, this one is very long and the, the uh, acid is very fine. And the wine before is warm mouth filling. It's very elegant. Very nice. Thank you. Thank you so much. I I would love to uh, say some add something to. Um, I don't know if any anyone of you have heard of the the research has been being done in in Bordeaux on the use of stems even in Merlot and and Cabernet Sauvignon. There's supposed to be a, a a compound in the stems which is called astilbean, which gives a certain sweetness, perceived sweetness uh, without sugar to 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 the wines, which might be very interesting and and a secret to why uh, whole whole bunch fermentations can be so don't have to be harsh <laughs> harsh tenants eh? that's um uh, it was a very very, inter very, I think very interesting research let's always be careful this is very different which stamps you have this is the mellow stamps is not the twigel stamps and the blau frankish stamps yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's uh it's not uh one of the same thing so it's uh we this was a long way in in Canunton the we have uh, maceration with stamps and so I think there's 10, 15 years that we start a lot of examples to found the yeah. best way with, to work with them. So it's always be careful. Thank you. There's okay, Robert, we'll, we'll go to Weingut Taferna. Yes. Caro. Heidek, Heidaka. Ried Heidaka. So we moved now from Höflein to Göttlersbrunn. Ried Heidaka is a single vineyard 
in the town of Sittlespoon, um, consisting of three grape varieties. We have Zweigelt on the bottom. So it's one long vineyard that goes from the bottom of the vineyard all the way to the top. On the lower parts, we have the Zweigelt. On the middle part, we have the Merlot. And on all the way to the top, we have the Cabernet Sauvignon. We harvest at different times. It used to be like a week, sometimes two weeks in between the grape varieties. Lately, we do like one right after the other. So the time in between the varieties has shortened. Um, everything is handpicked, um, natural fermentation, no temperature control, open steel or oak fermenters, punched down to the hand. Um, we only use gravity and um, depending on the vintage, we taste the wine every day, but 21 to 24 days on the skin and then natural malolactic fermentation in barrels. The Zweigel is in big barrels, 500 liter, and the Merlot and Cabernet Sauvignon in small barrels. But also I wanted to add one thing um you know the soil and the vineyards are completely different if you look at dolly's wines and all of the other wines yeah. are from the region of abestala hügelland i think we didn't mention that which is influenced by the alps and then dolly's wines are on the eastern part of canuntum so the, you have the Carpathians, you have more canals you have um a completely different soil structure so that's why i think that shows in the wines a lot um, it's also the winemaking, of course, but I think um, the soil and the microclimate of these two regions are very, very different. Yeah, here, here you uh, you feel you feel the mellow and the cabernet in the in in the tannin, but it's a it's 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 a powerful uh, and and very well made wine. I think it's uh, and it's these the data. Mm -hmm. 2019 lately yeah. um, I started to realize once I um, started to making the wines it became easier and early accessible to drink and I was talking with a winemaker friend in Germany about it um, I think it's like the punch downs per hand um, before we mm -hmm. did it by machines now I do the punch downs per hand twice a day and um, you don't have that much tannin um, extraction mm -hmm during the punch downs and pump overs and only while we use gravity and we don't pump so much, the wines get accessible earlier and they're easier to drink and the tannins are very smooth. Um, and um, yeah, which is a good thing, I think, especially yeah. because customers don't want to wait um, 10 or 20 years to drink the wine, but I think it still will show a nice they, potential. Yeah, if they are patients, how, how, many, how many years would you, would you, uh, oh, it's always would you say? <laughs> It's always uh, such a difficult question to ask, you know, you never really know yeah. until you try. So I tell them I buy at least six bottles and open one each year. But um, uh, I think 10 to 15 years is no problem. And after yeah. that, we don't have, you know, we just started in the early 90s to produce this high quality Zweigels. Before Zweigels was used to be a um, high quantity, um, great variety that was a mass production. And then beginning at the eight, late 90s, actually, we started to really plant it on great um, soil and reduce at the vineyard and to try to really focus on the variety and on the site. So um, we don't have that much experience with it, but what I feel when I taste it, I think 10 to 15 years shouldn't be a problem at all. So maybe there is an interesting question in the chat Therefore, regarding Zweigelt. So Noris asked, how do you perceive the popularity of Austrian and Indian's grape varieties like Zweigelt? Is there a rising demand to it to the reason that other wine regions are getting hotter and higher alcohol levels? 
I mean, uh, spiders in expertise can be a difficult task, to be honest, because um, maybe you all know about the difficult history of Zweigel, with Dr. Zweigel who planted the variety and then he's known he's really was related to the Nazi Nazis. And um, so I think uh, with this history, we have to, to face it when we do export. No, no, no. Sorry, I'm sorry. Um, so, um, yeah. Now I forgot what I was talking about. So it, it can be difficult in export, but um, also in Austria because um, Zweigelt was um, crossed to be like, have these big grapes and to reduce, produce a lot of, um, of wine and juice. So um, there is a lot of not so good or like lower quality Zweigelt on the market. So now our goal is to really show what Zweigelt can do. Um, I really see the potential in Blaufränkisch as well in our region. We used to not have that much Blaufränkisch. Our winery, we have 10 hectares of Zweigelt, and we just started four years ago to plant Blaufränkisch. Um, so there's, I think there is a lot more customer demand in export for Blaufränkisch. Um, but in Austria, I don't really know the, uh, the statistics. I think in Austria, Zweigelt is still the most popular red grape variety. Thank you, Gao. I promised them one hour and twenty, and I see people leaving. So, so we'll just go on to the to the last two Riedenweine. Uh, First, uh, the one from uh, Michael Auerried Aubül. Michael. We change uh, back to Michael's um, name. Uh, Ried Aubül is yeah one of the really hottest um, uh, vineyards or uh, we have uh, in Kufen. So it's um, on the south side, it's very, very sandy. You have very much uh, limestone there, and um, also um, the roots have to go uh, through these limestone stones, which are um, mostly in one and a, one and a half meter um, down. And um, yeah, so this is maybe the from the from the soil uh, we have here uh, very warm. Uh, we plant this. Uh, we have here about uh, seventy percent um, Blaufränkisch um, and Cabernet Sauvignon. Um, these wines are about uh, 30, 35 years old. Then Clauren, a little bit younger, about twenty-five years. Um, yeah, this plant uh, because it for me uh, it, it depends a little bit on the vintage. Also, two thousand nineteen for me uh, one of the biggest. Uh, the last ten years next to twenty-one and twenty-two. Um, yeah, it's my uh, my favorite blend. Uh, so it's uh, like uh, I, I like this wine. You have it uh, maybe a little bit Cabernet Sauvignon is, is a little bit other uh, other style to Blaufränkisch, uh, but in in all in all, um, you have uh, a really deep fruit. You have um, um, also maybe a little bit more structure with uh, Cabernet, um, and um, we have uh, from the vinification we make uh, Blaufränkisch in five in the tonneaux. Um, and uh, Cabernet and also St. Laurent and Cabernet in the little ones. Um, mm -hmm. We use about 50, 50% new oak here. Yeah. Okay. And what the, the, the St. Laurent, what, what, what does it does it bring to you, uh, to, to the blend for you? Yeah, St. Laurent, always, it's, it's very interesting. Um, when you read it, when you see, when you think 5% is uh, nothing, uh, but uh, it always keeps the difference a little bit. Uh, St. Laurent is always the, um, yeah, the female um, a part of this wine, and you have um, um, yeah, this 
I would say this, um, you cannot say it makes it round or it uh, makes the tannins more soft. Um, for me, it's um, a little bit more charm. Thank you so much. Well, Dolly, you get the last word with your wine. Okay. And, and first of all, a critical question, of course, you know this was coming. Why did you pull all the Gavana apart? Uh, it's almost a Faudé Pay thing. Uh, yes. But, um... But then again, compliments on not producing a generic uh, Spitzerberg and and just taking the, the the special parts out. So yes, I mean um, the Spitzer the Ried Spitzerberg wine until 2018 was made uh, between three and four vineyard plots that mm -hmm. are very old, and it was always heartbreaking for me to blend them because each of them has such a different personality and um, I was fighting with myself for many years would I go for that to to let them separate or to stay with the blend and it it, it really goes with your uh, the work that you are doing with your articles what, what about blending and about um, yeah. single vineyard wines and I mean we don't know what is the better I can only tell you that it was heartbreaking for me to blend them and I if you want to see which of the vineyards has the higher potential in the long run or where does it is, where is the evolution going to? I mean, you have to keep it separate, otherwise you can't see it. Mm -hmm. So maybe this is a process for some years or maybe it will stay like that. I don't know. We don't, I mean, everything is in a flow as the climate is. So um in 19 it was for the first time that i separated it, it that, that that i i kept it separate and it's and Kranzen is one i would call it the more masculine of the four uh vineyard plots and it goes a little bit deeper down than the others so it has a little mm -hmm. bit more soil in some in some way and it has maybe a little bit rougher and then it is a vineyard that has is at least 70 years old. I don't know. When I rented it, the uh, the owner said, I don't know, I took it over in 1950. I don't know how old it is. So I don't know either. It's old and uh, it's interesting. And um, it's for the first time that I put it, um, that I bottled it separately. So I can't tell yeah. you anything about the evolution. It is a work in progress. And I love to see those four vineyard plots next to each other and to compare it. And maybe I have done it for myself. I don't know. It's complicated for sommeliers. It's complicated for everybody of, who has to read it. <laughs> instead of having one super child, you have four children with issues now. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. And and I don't know, but um, you know, we are also in the evolution of. One day, maybe we have Große Lagen in Austria because we are still with Erste Lagen. So maybe one of those four has the potential to become a Große Lage. I don't know. We don't know unless we do it. So we have to observe it. Like It's like what Burgundy has done for 300 years or longer. So we are just in the beginning. And I think it's a progress, a work in progress. We have to observe it. And Yes, some people are mad on me because they have to read very carefully the label before they, they calculate the price for their wine list. But yes, that's what you have to do with Burgundy as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, thank you, Dolly. Uh, and I think it's, uh, this makes a very nice uh, point to end of. Uh, I think uh, Canuntum is a, is, a, is a work in progress, but uh, 
I think the the the, the evolution is is going uh, very well. I think the developments are, are really really good uh, from from uh, a region wine like uh, Robin to uh, to the the, the top uh, Erste Lager wine. Um, so thank you first of all to all the all the producers uh, for uh, having this time and, and speaking so openly about the wines about the region it's uh, i think it was very insightful and, and meaningful for uh, for all the the um, uh, the participants the the viewers uh, thank you also uh, from me and i would i uh, i loved to do it and uh, i i hope to see you soon somewhere in uh, in the beautiful world of wine now maybe there are some questions i don't know katarina how you want to uh, proceed from now there is another question in the chat, so maybe everybody wants to ask questions on their own, or should I read them out? Uh, Yvonne, do you want to ask it by yourself? <laughs> Otherwise, I can just read it. Uh, so Yvonne asked, do the winemakers see a future for so-called natural wines or natural wine styles in the region? So maybe one of the winners wants to answer that yeah maybe i i don't think uh as a, of course this this natural um wines um every new wine style or every new um uh thing is is is, is important so we uh we also um uh through this natural wine uh, the last year the 10 years it was also changing like that we have uh less so2 in the wines we have um, maybe a little bit working with steels um, and all in all, um, it's, it, it's, you cannot say that it works only um, bads or it, um, but I, I think we will not be um, uh, a region which is working 100% to uh, natural wines um, um, and 100% natural wine. Um, I think there I is, like there to, is, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, I wanted to add that there is always a good thing about it because I think we integrated mm -hmm. a lot in our winemaking with natural winemaking. So, for us we started to only do natural fermentation for the reds we you know you get more adventurous you uh, have more time on the leaves you maybe bottle your red wines or some white wines unfiltered so i think it was good for the whole industry to in austria we're a small producers family owned we all work in the vineyard we all work in in the wineries so um we work as close to nature as possible and the natural wine movement um, helped us to um, be a bit different to the big industry winemaking and also um, winemaking is getting less and less in in our time so the young people like people my age and even younger they prefer the natural wines and orange wines they have the nice labels they photograph well on instagram it looks cool and to get them into the wine drinking i think that's a it's a good thing so i I like to, and I also enjoy natural wines every once in a while. So it's, I, I don't mind them. And I think we can, you know, it's, it's good for everyone. I think that was the last question. <laughs> so if anybody else has a question, they can ask it now. I so, just wanted to add, don't forget to come to Gravenek in the first week of September. Then for the Traditionsweingüter, Erste Lage tasting, and you have all the other regions as well to get a really great overview of the new vintages and the top wines from, from single vineyards in Austria. It's the perfect tasting to understand best. And there is a lot of wines from Canonton there. So please come and join the tasting. So you and I can feel the vine. That was no brandy, that was no martini. This has been another episode of Exploring the Wine Glass. 
Thanks for listening. If you have suggestions on what topics you would like me to discuss, please reach out on social media. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook as Exploring the Wine Glass. I am also on LinkedIn as Lori Hoyt Budd. Of course, you can always email me at exploringthewineglass at gmail.com and sign up for my newsletter at exploringthewineglass.com. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe to help others find me more easily. And most importantly, tell your wine-loving friends, because if you like the podcast, they will too. Podcast music is Wine by Kevins. Until next week, slancha. There is always time for a good glass of wine.